Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti with the Zenpreneur Podcast. Today, we have another fascinating guest. Her name is Tanya Alvarez. She started her first NYC ad agency at 25 years old on credit cards and hit, listen to this, $1 million in revenue in year one. And I want to know all about that because that is inspiring. She battled a rare bone condition. She globetrotted to 42 countries, ran Boston, New York City marathons, and a half Ironman. And today, with Owners Up, she is on a mission to help you win at work while living what matters most. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Tanya, tell me, I am intrigued. I want to know, how did you go from zero to one million in only one year when most agencies that I see never get there? Yeah, so when I started my first company, I was 25, and the performance-based marketing industry was the Wild West. What I mean by that, people, there wasn't even canned spam, no opt-out. It was just like people were like figuring out in performance-based marketing, people might know it as affiliate marketing now, right? So meaning uh, you generate a lead, you generate a sale, you get a percentage back, right? Mm. So this was a really cool opportunity for me because I would figure out somebody's landing page, figure out when somebody registers their whole funnel. And then I would say, hey, and I got to choose the company I want to work with. I would say, hey, I will generate this many leads. You pay me this much. I'll create your website, the whole funnel. So the hardest mm. work was just actually starting and picking people. We had a formula for that, picking the companies. And then it was just constant. Clients were happy. They were paying us monthly. They were, the leads were great. And we were producing everything. And then it was just getting the right clients continuously. Wow. And what was that like? What was that like going from zero to one million in one year? Well, I am one of the first in my family. So I grew up from a family where it's like um, my mother was a single mom who immigrated from Colombia and we were all born here, but she raised four kids on her own. So there mm. were times where it was really kind of hard, you know, financially, there were times where we were like, oh, shoot, hopefully we have milk today, right? So it wasn't a place where... I didn't, I didn't have anybody to kind of lean to and say, oh, this is what, I, let me contact my uncle or my aunt or somebody who's an entrepreneur. No, it was all on me. So most of it was literally just hard work and trying to figure things out. There wasn't any groups at that time, marketing at that, it, there wasn't anything you could like really Google and search, you know? It's not like now where there's all these courses and everything. So I was just trying to figure things out. And sometimes it was just dumb luck. And sometimes it was just a lot of work. And mm. there's one thing I wanted to share because it's amazing that I've traveled 
40, 40 uh, actually now it's like 45 countries or more. Um, the thing I did was like, I really wanted to travel and this is before Instagram. So what I would do is I would reserve right around Memorial Day weekend, a week off. Then around Christmas to New Year's, two weeks off. So this is what happens when you do that. My team, which was in Columbia and, and New York, I would have to trust them when I was gone. So if I was hiking in Machu Picchu in Peru, where there's like no internet at that time, I have to say, okay, my team is capable and the systems are ready so they can take care of everything. This allowed them to be leaders. And this allowed me to like really realize how to set up my business so I wouldn't be as involved in it when I, so I can take vacations and trust my team. That was just kind of like, this is me wanting to travel. Let me figure out this challenge. Hmm. I love that because you're describing a challenge that so many business owners face. And, and I can definitely relate with that, that people are scared of taking time away from their business. And what you're saying, if I hear it correctly, is if you schedule it ahead and you place it in as a non-negotiable, it becomes a challenge and an opportunity, challenge in the, in the, in the sense that you're going to be faced with your own ability. Can I give up control? Do I trust myself to give up control? Do I trust the team to give up control? And at the same time, you're creating a, a great opportunity for team members to step up because at that point, you're not available. You're not there. So it's on them. Then it also allows you to kind of like get creative again, have that space to think, right? And immerse yourself in different cultures. I think that we're constantly working, 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 and we don't give our like the time to actually relax and kind of think of great ideas. So I mm. think it's essential to literally take a minimum, a week off each quarter. Mm, I love that. And that's contrary to what 99% right? <laughs> of the people tell you out there. They tell you that it's all about maximizing hours, meaning work more, just see how you can squeeze in more time. And I can totally resonate with what you're saying because I take time off on a regular basis. As you were speaking, I was thinking, I want to do a Vipassana this year. For those of you that don't know what a Vipassana is, it's a silent retreat. So you essentially go there for seven to 10 days and you do not speak and you meditate most of the day. And it's very a very rigorous process. It's very powerful. And I've been thinking of that because I also want to do the Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat this year again. And so my mind, I can already hear like, ah, it's, I have to sort of choose either one. But I love what you're saying. Every quarter, take at least a, a week off because that recharges your creative capacity to make better decisions, to have better ideas that lead to more growth and opportunity for the people inside and outside of your business. And why couldn't you do both? Hmm. I want to, I want to know this. So wait, 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 wait. were you why always can't you do both, Mario? Why couldn't you do both? <laughs> I can. I can. Now I know because you told me like every quarter. So I'm going to take that on. I'm making yeah, a public I announcement. <laughs> because I think that people don't embrace their constraints. When yeah. you see a constraint as a challenge, you should be celebrating that because it's going to make mm -hmm. you be more creative. So it's going to be like, okay, mm -hmm. I need this amount to get done. So what can I do? So you start looking at what are AI tools to make this more fast and efficient. You'll start leveraging people and thinking, okay, I don't need to do this. What is essential for my business? And then the third thing is you'll start looking at your time differently. 
like, how can I get to deep work quicker? Right. And how can I actually maximize my schedule? And I'm going to use the word maximizer so that my energy levels are aligned to the work I'm doing. Mm. You just said something very, very intriguing. You said, how can I get to deep work quicker? Please explain. So when you start, so one of the things that I believe in focus, and this is something I do, and it's called RAP, right? Mm -hmm. R-A-P. RAP is review your day at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, sometimes we finish work and we're just kind of like, oh, what the heck? What a what an amazing day, but also what an exhausting day sometimes. And if you don't take the time to write down what you actually accomplished, then you don't know if you're just doing busy work, which a lot of people are doing and not even realizing because it's like the dopamine of like checking things off, right? Yes, yeah. I got this. I got this done. Or if you're actually doing work that helps you. Now, the, the deep work, what I'm going to talk about is the A, assess. One, two, five. How did you, what did you, how would you rank that day? And if it's a five, then you're going to have all this data on all the days that you ranked a five. And then you're going to reverse engineer it to see how can I produce more days like this? And usually those days have a lot of deep work in it because you're getting things that need to actually be moved, right? Moving things mm -hmm. that are like maximizing your business or generating more impact. And then P is prioritize. Now here, I love constraints, as you already know. So what are the three things you would have to get done that would move your business in three hours? So I try to delegate in my, I try to put in my schedule three hours of the most important things and just essentially get it done by noon. And if you mm. actually follow that, you'll be more focused and understand how to get to deep. So deep for me is like, I need to literally um, know exactly what to do. It's kind of like, For example, sometimes I've made this mistake before. Let me write a LinkedIn post. Well, then you end up spending uh -huh. the time researching things. Maybe you go through a rabbit hole. But if you already have a formula and a format that you've already done research on before, then all you're doing is literally saying, okay, this is the time I need to get done. So it's really preparing yourself. At least for me, that's how I go into deep work quicker. Prepare, take actually estimate some time to prepare. And then the doing is when I'm in deep work. So do you separate the two? Do you make a distinction between this is time for me to do deep research and this is time for me to do more do more of the plain execution on the based on the research that I've done? So I definitely do separate it. And with the research one, you can research like crazy, go down rabbit holes. So I actually time myself and say, hey, this is enough. I don't mm. go into perfection mode. And I think that was a hard one for me to learn. Right. Because I would just kind of like maybe half a day of researching and I was so I'm more learner. You know, I always want to learn but these rabbit holes. Oof. Then mm -hmm. it's, it's the middle of the day and you're just like, what the heck did I get done? So mm -hmm. I like to put a timer on and give myself 60 minutes and be like, and that puts me in the constraint of like, okay, what is the question I really need to answer? And then what do I need? And if I'm onto something that's not getting me the answer, I'm like, okay, I have this much time left. I got to get to it. Mm. Okay. And so when you set yourself the time and then you, you do get it done in the time, 
if you do not get it done within that time frame, do are you strict in the sense that you say, okay, this will move to another day? Or do you then say, I'm going to expand and give myself another 10, 20, 30, however many minutes? So it depends in the beginning when you start this, um, you're going to start realizing I actually have a track of like what takes me a certain amount of time. So if like I have some sort of knowledge to it, I realize, okay, I, this usually takes me this time, but if it's something new, I give myself a little bit more time. And the only yeah. way is logging that don't go based on your feelings. So start mm. off with like, this is what I think it's going to be. And this is what it's actually really took me. And if I go past that time, I schedule it for the next day, but it. it's really paying attention on like how long something takes you. It's kind of like, if you're going to go for a run, first time you're going running, maybe that two miles might take you more than 20 minutes. Right. And people might tell you it's like 16 minutes or whatever. And so you start learning how long things take you from like getting your shoes on your workout clothes to actually finishing something. Right. Right. Would you say that this process works for everybody? The reason I ask is I'm right there with you. I love these kind of structures and everything being very neatly organized. And I have encountered personally a lot of people that are more on the creative spectrum that I can imagine would say to this, ah, this is very rigid. This is so like compartmentalized. I feel like I don't have any freedom in that. What would you say to that? So we've actually, and owners have had tons of creatives, right? And mm. their biggest thing is they love what they're doing, but they weren't producing enough money or they weren't getting, um, they weren't in the rhythm that they wanted to, right? And mm -hmm. so I remind them that if they set this creativity, it's actually shown that you're, if you set a certain amount of time at this, you're priming your brain to do something. Um, so Seinfeld has it. I'm sure everyone's seen like Seinfeld where he says he has like this check mark every single day. He writes a certain amount of time and then he checks it off. So there's so many artists that have done this, but people don't realize that they're like, it's one of those things. It's the same thing as people who don't want to niche. They're like, I want everybody. I want to work with everybody. I'm like, I can't work with everybody. There's no possible way. Maybe if you have a team, yes, but in the beginning, you need to focus in so you can replicate this. And so you can actually like have your team and train them easily or else you're going to be training them everything in your head, which this is years and years of training that you've done, right? So it doesn't make right. sense. So yes, yeah. I think constraints are actually freedom. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree. I think the sort of the the masculine element of the structure builds sort of the safe walls and within the feminine creativity can flow freely without having to worry about the safety or the structure because it knows it can rely on that. So I'm right there with you. You also mentioned But you I have about to perfection. say that one you have to yeah? go with flow. So for example, I'm a mom of a one year old and three year old. Sure, I want my mornings <laughs> to like move smoothly, but it doesn't happen like that. So I have to sure. actually learn to surrender and just be right. flexible, but yeah. know that there's a certain amount of time where I need to get things done. So there is a structure to it. And then, um, if it doesn't move exactly how I want it, which most likely most of the times it doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what you learn with kids. You never have control of that, um, that you're flexible enough that you can move forward. Okay. So now I'm even more curious because you mentioned something earlier about perfectionism. And so now I'm wondering, 
what happens when you're, you know, you're a mother, you have children, you set yourself up for, I'm going to do it in this way at this time and in, in, in this exact matter. And then all of that gets thrown out of the window and then the perfectionism kicks in. How do you, how do you deal with that? So for example, yesterday, my daughter has had pink eye. So that means she stayed home and wasn't at daycare. And I was like, Ooh, okay. So I had to like reschedule certain things, figure out in her nap time when I can get work done. And that's how it goes. So luckily on that, I already had systems in place, but I've let go of perfection a while ago. Cause I felt like there is no such thing as perfection. It's always like 80% is better than like zero or 20%, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing I want to get across in this podcast is people should hire a VA immediately. Even if you're making barely any three or 5K a month, hire a VA or else you're going to be a prisoner of your time. I've seen so many people that are at a million or 500,000. I'm like, do you have a virtual assistant? No, because and what it's too expensive. Uh, they don't know how to train them. They haven't found the right person. They're the only ones who know the knowledge they've hired before and it didn't work all these excuses, right? You have to hire somebody because there's tasks that you should not be doing because it drains you or there's tasks that you're not even getting to, which are super important. So number one thing, if you heard anything on this podcast, Hire a virtual assistant as quick as possible. You can get one. By the way, you get, many people are going to be surprised at this from 3 to $5 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I will sign that declaration right away. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I was the person that you mentioned when I was at, you know, three, four, five K per month. That's when I hired my VA because nice. I I went through this thought process and I had so much so much distaste for so many of the tasks that I was focusing on. And and I was just, I remember I was just in the task and doing it, my whole day would be ruined because I'd be battling at, while I was typing away, I would be battling with myself. I mean, like, there'll be one part like, why, why are you even doing this? This is so stupid. You hate doing this. Oh no, but you're saving money. You know, that's going to help you in the long run. So I was like torn. And at the end of the day, I didn't get much done at all. And I was exhausted. And to your point, you know, this is really about what I call working in your zone of genius is understanding what what is it that you love? What is it that you're the best at? And what produces the highest ROI for your business? Designing Canva flyers does not qualify, (laughs) you know, that should not be on your uh, priorities list as the founder of the company. And so I, I, I like that. Now, I want to circle back a little bit. You know, you said I've let go of perfectionism a while ago. And then you explained because you understand that there's no such thing as perfectionism. Now, logically, people can get behind that. However, emotionally, there's often a bigger process involved. So I'm curious, was that something for you as well? And if so, how did you deal with that? So immediately with perfectionism, I use accountability on that. Hmm. So what I mean by that is um, I promised somebody I need to get like when I started LinkedIn and I started posting three times a week. uh, Sometimes I didn't. I was like in my head about this post. but I was like, oh, shoot, we're all posting at 9 a.m. at the same time. I need to get this done. Hmm. Right. So the pressure of getting it done and having other people around me that I've committed to 
got me to release faster. And I've done mm. this with other members too. So there's this one member who did videos and 80% of the video would be done perfectly. Right. But he would like spend like literally most of his time on this 20% that most people wouldn't notice. Mm. So we would challenge him. We're like, Hey, send us your awful draft. We call it the awful draft. So he released it. <laughs> and what ended up happening, we were just like, wow, this is awesome. And he's like, really? Cause he was all in his head. Right. And then he started mm. releasing more because we gave him that challenge. So yeah. most of the time, that 20% that you're tr trying to tweak or 20% that you're spending most of your time is so not worth it. I love that. And that's so true. You know, it's like this old constant overthinking and trying to like the way that I, I, I the example that I'd like to bring is, you know, if you're, if you have a pan and you, it's a pan that you've been using a lot more, you know, to grill some food in it and to stir fry, and then you clean the pan, the pan is clean. Right? And then it's like, it can do the job perfectly. But then in the corner, somehow there's this tiny little <laughs> bit of residue that, that you're trying to just like scrub off, like investing all of that energy to, just to go in and you're using all kinds of appliances to get it out, to get it out. And then after like, you know, a lot of effort, you managed it. But what changed? Nothing. The job of making the meal deliciously could have done, you could have done exactly the way that it was. So I, I love your example. And you also, you know, you just brought in accountability. And I know that's a big pillar of the work that you're doing. So talk to us about the power of accountability. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big proponent of you can achieve anything in your life if you have a squad of people, three mm. to five people. So I've done this in my business. As you can see, I grew from over 1 million within the first year. And that was my first business at 25. I had no clue what I was doing. And I wouldn't say I've like all of a sudden I was like self-made. No, absolutely not. I had, there was times where like that roller coaster ride almost crushed me. And I had other people lifting me up and reminding me of like who I am and that accountability of like moving forward and making sure I get it done. Two, I've met my husband through, I had, I formed an accountability group and I met my husband on Tinder because I had a group of women that I said, I picked out, I, I looked, I valued my, I um, decided to rank my values and then give it to them and say, Hey, you guys swipe anybody who you swipe on, I'll go on a date with. <laughs> and I had to report to them. And then usually when I was on dates, you know, typical New Yorker, I was like finding something wrong with them or being like, mm, you know, like there's other people. No, no, no. They had me report the three amazing things about this person I'm going on a date with. And if it was really good, they would act, even if I was like kind of reluctant, I would have to go on another date with them. So here's the kicker. Mm. I wouldn't have swiped on my husband because he had one picture off. <laughs> and he knows a story he had no clue you know he wasn't into like pictures and he wasn't like one of these guys who were players making sure they all looked great so can you imagine that mm. i would have missed out on that without that accountability and i had my own bias wow wow that's powerful now i'm with you also on accountability and what i see and maybe you're you're seeing that too there's a there's this wave of solopreneurs happening in the world. More and more and more people starting up businesses, which is great, I think. 
And yet at the same time, I can see that a lot of people hold back on creating accountability groups because they struggle to ask for help, because they are afraid of where they're at with their progress and they don't want other people to see that. What would you say to somebody who isn't yet in on the accountability and who might have challenges asking for help? I think um, it's interesting that you say that. I didn't even think about those challenges. I think of it a little differently. I think they form accountability groups with their friends and then the friends let them off the hook and then the accountability doesn't work. Uh-huh. Right? So let's say you, you and me, we're accountability buddies. Uh, you know, you just started your relationship with your girlfriend and then all of a sudden um, you guys got in a fight but you were supposed to get something done. I'm like, oh, Mario, you know, I totally mm -hmm. understand. You're in the mi mm -hmm. right mindset. Okay, maybe you can do it a little later. And then you start slipping and slipping mm -hmm. and then accountability is fully off. Right. So the big thing about accountability is finding people that, um, the hardest thing about accountability is holding somebody accountable to it, right? And having them hold back, hold it for, to you, be a hold accountability. And what are the consequences? A lot of people think, oh, I'll pay, like, let's say you didn't get something done and then you have to pay me, I don't know, 20 bucks. That mm -hmm. doesn't work actually. Because after you pay me three times, you're out. Where you really need to figure out is, why is Mario not doing this? What's going on? You know, what is there the mindset? What's blocking him and how do we get him going? So at Owners Up, this is funny. This is what we, we've tried everything. This is what works. We have people sing a song on the call. It's immediate. And I they agree it. on this, right? What? So we usually do like, um, I don't know, nursery, twinkle, twinkle. Sometimes we do la cucaracha, which is in Spanish. And <laughs> it's kind of instant where it's like funny. They're, we're not all like, oh, you have to sing. We're like kind of dancing with it. But that experience internally has them show up differently. And then if they, if it happens again, that they sing another song, um, the coaches and uh, like me, when I'm a coach too, we actually say, okay, what's going on? And we work with them on how to make sure that this is feasible. But I think the key is really figuring out if someone keeps like faltering on their, on their goals, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I would so say, make sure you don't have it with friends who are letting you off the hook. Find consequences that don't shame, that have it fun. And when they do, kind of go in there and figure it out. And then also have a system that everyone agreed on. And yeah. also write down what are your defaults? What do you kind of resistant or naturally do when you don't want to do a task? And then right. give permission for people to call you out and how to call you out so that you're still moving forward. Hmm. Talk to me about the the singing because that's <laughs> like that's process, blow, right? <laughs> blow, blowing my mind because I'm because uh, you just said like so it, let me clarify this does that mean so let's say I'm part of the group and you're and I'm and I'm saying okay I'm gonna do reaching out to twenty prospects every day and then I only reach out to ten and so then the agreement is if I don't do it I have to sing in front of the group is that it is that sort of like the okay the consequence. Yeah. Now, you did say that something that isn't causing shame. If I think of singing, now the shame I can feel coming up is like singing in front of a group. 
that's a, that's an edge for sure. And I can, I can see how a lot of people are, are there as well. So elaborate that because I think it's fascinating. So I wouldn't say it's a shame, right? Because I'm not saying, Mario, you didn't get this done. Go sing this song. That's going to humiliate you, <laughs> right? That would be shame. It's right. more of like, all right, Mario, you know the rules. Tend to not cut it. All right, la cucaracha. Then everybody in the group are like, kind of like dancing and singing with mm -hmm. you. But that mm -hmm. experience kind of has you like, oh, I'm not doing that again, right? Mm -hmm. And so, the, and by the way, that's another reason how we get over perfectionism. Because you rather ah. get something done than sing a song. So people right. care more about what other people think or how that feeling, because we all want to belong. They're mm. like, if I'm procrastinating, I'm like, oh, this is enough. I just got to get it done. I said I was going to send 20 people. It might not be the perfect messages, but I'd rather not sing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like this is me typing that. in the TV. <laughs> this, this is great. This is great. Like, are you okay if I take this and, and, and implement this as well? This idea? Yeah, I think this is, this is beautiful. You got to do fun songs though. Easy, fun songs. And it has to be celebrated. It can't be something that really humiliates them, right? Okay. Okay. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. So, so I can see the power of accountability. Can you, do you have like a story of somebody that you've worked with um, that has transformed something remarkable for themselves through the accountability systems that you provide? Yeah. So we had a business owner, we have tons of these, but we had a, we have a business owner who came in, he was about 300,000 and he was working. He had two little ones. He was working crazy hours to keep everything up. And he's like, I just want to get things done, but I don't want to take on more clients. I was mm. like, okay. So then what we realized is he wasn't, he wasn't willing to delegate yet. And that is by the uh -huh. way, the hardest thing every entrepreneur goes through. If you feel like you can't delegate, no one's going to do it exactly how you're going to do it. You're right. No one is, mm -hmm. but they will get better and reach your expectations. And sometimes even better than what you think. Right? right. So what we ended up helping him is we got him from 80 hours, working 30 hours, working four days a week. He wow. doubled his business and he got to spend time with his kids. He was actually present with his kids, which is super important because he was still, yeah. even though he was with his kids, he was still thinking about business and Everybody in his family can sense the energy, right? So now he went from, hey, I don't want to take on clients, right? I want to get all the stuff I need to get done to working less, making more, right? Mm. And the only mm. way about that is holding somebody accountable to working less. So the constraints yeah. of, all right, if we're going to figure out how to get you to work 30 hours, it looks like that's not worth your time, right? This isn't worth your time. Let's figure out who we can hire to get this done. Mm. And then when he finally, because he thought his business was, it is technical. But when he realized the way, especially with AI, all the things you can do with AI to help things like move quicker, not saying like right at all, but so many tools there and getting a VA, he's actually, he went from only having two people to having six people on his team. And I'm not saying mm. to scale your team. I'm actually really into lean, but um, and his is, is a service-based business. So it is involving people. So he needed more people to grow. So right yeah. now he's about to pass the million dollar mark, which is huge. I love that. And that's, that's a beautiful testimony of how important the work is that you're doing. 
Now, you also brought in AI, and that's a exploding field. I myself use AI. I use ChatGPT. Uh, it's saving me days in the week, literally. And I'm curious, besides ChatGPT, what are some of the tools that either you yourself are using or that you are recommending to clients to help them reduce their hourly input while increasing their output in terms of the results that they're creating? So one thing most people don't know about me is I'm dyslexic. So mm. I'm, and I'm an external thinker. So I didn't know external thinker until I would say two years. I didn't know that term. So external thinker is I like to, I can actually think better when I'm discussing with other people, right? My thoughts go through. So I'm not, mm -hmm. when I go by myself and think things out, sometimes I get too much in my head or I go rabbit hole. But if I explain to somebody else, it's like this. I like come up with strategies. Mm -hmm. It kind of mm -hmm. like my husband gets it and um, my friends get it. But if you haven't experienced that, you'll be like, why are they like talking to me? <laughs> but um, so I use this app called Audio Pen. And Audio Pen lets me ramble my thoughts. And then it concisely kind of like synthesizes the thoughts. So then from there, I can actually use something and like either like edit it and play around with it or delegate it faster which was big for me because sometimes I get in my head and I'm like, okay, let me make sure I write this properly. People understand it. So one of the big things for me is like anybody working for me, if you need detailed instructions, I'm not your manager. Mm. So I hire to make sure that people are able to like grasp, grasp something really big and able to move forward with it. And that's important. And I so you AI. use, you, oh, so I want to make sure that I understand this because I think it's brilliant. So you use this audio AI app. Do you keep it there or do you take it from there into like a chat GPT or have it organized even further? Like, what, what does that look like? So when, so every entrepreneur, this is the biggest curse of every entrepreneur, shiny object syndrome. Right? <laughs> and what ends up happening is it's in your head. And if you don't put it somewhere, it'll kind of like keep being like, Hey, I'm over here. Pay mm -hmm. attention to me. So you need to download it. Mm -hmm. So what I do, instead of writing a note, taking the time to write it, I go into this, it's an app It's called audio pen. I believe it's audiopen.io, And I kind of say my thought and my idea. And then now it's synthesized, saved. And now I have a log of all the information. So when I mm -hmm. choose, like it's a content idea or if it's something I need to delegate for later, it's all there. And then at the end of the day, I take that time and like put it either in my project management tool, click up, or I prioritize it, see if it's worth it, or I put it into someday, one day, one day, someday. See what I did? That's my whole dyslexic. I turned it around there. Mm. But yeah. Mm. Mm. Got it. That's okay. a tool That's... I highly recommend for people. Um, another one that I really like that I've been using, um, it is called, um, it's so, it's funny. It's like, you know, when you use it so much and you forget the name of it because it just <laughs> pops up, I would have to look, but and it's like, um, I actually use chat GPT and now you can make your own, uh, chat GPTs. Have you played around mm -hmm. with that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have my own playbooks. So it has exactly how I do my playbooks. And so I'll give it instructions, a transcript of a loom. Oh, loom. I use loom constantly. 
Yeah. I think yeah. if anyone isn't using Loom, you need to loop, use Loom. And that's the first thing you should be doing when you get a VA is literally recording all these tasks that you think are like, just this, oh, it only takes me five minutes. Great. It takes you five minutes, Loom it. And the great thing about Loom, it um, records it, transcribes it, and then summarizes it. And then you can mm. grab that transcript and put it into a playbook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Loom, Loom, is, Loom is a game changer. And because sometimes I find it hard to explain things in words, like, like just to write it down. Like, for instance, when I do... My my VA does video editing. She puts together. I I, I trained her on how to use a CapCut. Um, but the and this is the power of VAs. And 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 I think this was so genius when I when I discovered this. I literally went to YouTube and I I looked for a video, a long form video that showed in detail how to use CapCut to create these videos that have like stock images and stock video with like cool effects. And I was like. I have no desire of teaching myself this. So what I said is like, I said to my VA, please study this video. Once you go through it, create five example videos. I'm going to give you feedback. And the way that I gave feedback was through Loom. I looked, I watched the video live on Loom, paused it and said, you know what? I think this should be more like this. This should be a bit more down. This should be, okay, boom, sent. After a couple of weeks, amazing video qualities. Now I have my own VA that produces these videos for me that normally I would have to pay like 20, 20, $30 per video. And I pay her a lot less than that. And so I think Loom is an absolute game changer. I use it for my clients. Uh, when I review feed, I give feedback on that. I, I use it for video recordings, for video sales letters. It's, it's an absolute game changer. I love, and I think, I hope everyone hears this, that he did not try to figure this out on his own, exactly what to do. You were like, hey, learn this. And I think yeah. people are like, well, how would they learn it? Well, exactly what you would be doing, right? Like going on YouTube, <laughs> spend that time. And I love how you're like, you gave them, and that's another thing. So the step that you did is you had them learn it, but then you gave them, hey, just send me five videos and I'm going to give you feedback. People don't do that part, hmm. right? They'll say, hey, learn it. And then- They'll be like, okay, now produce something, one thing, and they want it perfect. It's like, no, you got to give them five. Give them something to work with so you can get feedback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and because I, I look like I look at everything the way the, the way that I work with people long term. I'm not interested in working with people once off here and that's it. I want to build long term relationships, and I also have in, in my own way because of the line of work that I'm in and with my VA. She told me, she, was, she does my whole podcast. And she told me, she's like, Mario, watching your podcast has helped me grow so much because I learned from all of your guests. She's going to watch this and edit this. So shout out to Earl. She's a superstar. And I, I love that you're bringing that forward. And, you know, um, I also want to ask you some other things because you have, you have some really, really important topics when it comes to productivity. And obviously we already talked about reducing the time input that it takes to generate results. Now, on paper, as you know, sounds super simple, right? Just do that, hire VA, dun, 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 dun. But then what gets in the way are distractions. And so you have a method, you talk about the focus multiplier. And I'm very interested to hear how you are helping people deal with distractions so that they can be locked in and get the things done that they say they want to get done. 
Yeah, it goes back to the rap what we spoke about before. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it's a daily thing. It takes you three minutes to do. And the more aware, it's like kind of like when you analyze a certain number and you keep track of it, the thing that you actually focus and track, you'll get better at. So the more times you actually review what you worked on, you'll start realizing, oh my God, I'm spending so much of my time on this. No wonder my, I keep rating my days too. I keep doing these draining tasks. I'm on call all the time. And then you start changing that alone. Based on you being aware of your behavior, you're going to be able to focus and do days that you can actually zoom in. So we have a member who was on calls all the time. He had owned a marketing agency. He felt he had to be the one that was always on the calls. And when then he realized that if he's on all these calls, he's at capacity. There's no way he can do more. So he started no. analyzing how he can start delegating and bringing on people to take on those calls and not even doing the calls at all using Loom and doing a mm. summary really, really quickly. So based on him actually even aware, most people were just like in robot mode, meaning it's like autopilot. We got to do this, got to do this. And we're not taking the time to see, okay, seems like this is working, but at what cost, mm -hmm. right? What mm -hmm. is the hidden cost of saying yes to all these calls? There's always a hidden cost to certain things. And you need to figure out if the hidden cost is worth it in your business. Mm -hmm. So being aware and tracking something helps you focus because you become aware, you can change it, and then you can optimize it and see what is it, if it's worth you continuing to do for going forward with mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And awareness, as I like to look at it, is the first step to changing anything in your life. And yes. so I like the way that you're creating awareness through measuring and tracking what else would you say goes into the process of cultivating a greater awareness? Now, I would love to hear, do you have any certain mindfulness practices such as meditation or you go on nature walks? And you mentioned earlier that, you know, every quarter you take at least a week off. What, what does it sort of look like for you to create that expanded sense of awareness that helps you become a lot more effective in business? So I will tell one on myself. Um, when I was growing up, as you know, I, I mentioned my background, in order for me to thrive or just survive, and then I just figured out how to thrive was I had everything scheduled so I could figure things out and I had people to hold me accountable to that. But what ended up happening is I did not have time for feelings of sadness or anything. I'm really mm. good at reframing and moving forward. <laughs> What's interesting is now that I have kids, I, and oh, and I was an athlete. I've always been a runner, right? So I was able to kind of like, that was my meditation. So yeah. I was able to get these emotions, run, go through my body, be in that zone in there. But now if I don't work out, I actually don't know how to do it until this past I would say four years, I started learning about what can get me, how do I move these emotions through my body and be okay mm -hmm. with it, mm -hmm. right? Meditation, um, I'm not consistent on, so I still need to do movement. So I do walks or I do this um, exercise where you kind of um, figure out these, you can handle both emotions at the same time. But with kids, you have to actually teach them how to emotionally regulate. The funny thing is most adults don't know how to emotionally regulate. So I'm on the constant quest of learning new things 
And I think the past four years has been kind of um, upgrading my inner uh, system of understanding mm-hmm. how to regulate so mm-hmm. I can be a better parent and then teach my kid how to do it better. Yeah. Why would you say that's so important for entrepreneurs? I think you have a, a biological advantage. You're a woman, so you are a lot more advanced uh, and evolved in uh, when it comes to consciousness and emotions than most men are, for sure. And I often... This is the sort of my area of expertise where I talk about uh, talk to people about every single day when it comes to their emotions and, and what happens in, inside. And I'm curious to hear from you, looking back at the times that you didn't have these tools available to now where you have them, what would you say is the difference that you can see inside of your business? Well, the thing is how you react. So if you're basically in fight or flight mode, like you're going to be coming from a place of like scarcity or like when you corner in like a rat, right? It's just kind of like, you're like, ha, how do I get out? But if you actually regulate these emotions, you come from a place of like, all right, I'm in this abundance mindset or I'm in a more relaxed mindset. I'm going to make a decision based off of like something that's like long-term or a different kind of like areas. So here's an example. I don't know how many parents you have on there. Um, changing diapers can be easy or hard. The hard mm-hmm. way is trying to get a one-year-old to kind of go and put this pamper on and like they're kind of kicking and wrestling, or you can stop and play a game or sing a song and you just got to be creative. And then it's uh-huh. just one, two, three, you know, you're like done. But I will mm-hmm. admit default mode. You're like, oh, I'm in such a rush. Let me just get this diaper in diaper on and like she's kicking moving like ah and you're all you have to do was just stop and play a game so when you're in the more relaxed thing you're able to be more creative and think of Mm -hmm. ways to make this fun instead of rushing thinking oh this is going to be a hard one she's going to wrestle that's a good example that's a the most current example i have (laughs) (laughs) it's a perfect example because you can literally replace changing diapers with any other activity that you are focused on in the business, especially relating to other people when you're on a sales call, when you're on a team meeting, when you're, uh, you know, when you're pitching something, there are other people involved. And so other people can feel you. They can feel what place you're coming from, from that reactive sort of needy rushed place when, and then, and people don't want that. Like we don't want to be around people like that unless we're all in that same sort of uh, space all the time. But especially in this day and age of, of personal branding, people always look up to other people that are inspirational, that are calm, that are collected, that you feel that sense of presence. Like I, I compare it to like a, a mighty oak tree. Like it's just like naturally magnetic. You want to be close to it. You want to sit next to it. You want to just like touch it and feel it. And and I and I can see the same is true for being a leader in business. And so I like the clearly music plays a big role in your life uh, with your children and in the accountability part. So that's something for me to take on as well. And I'm curious. You can gamify things. You can make it just as a game, like. In sales, instead of being like, oh, I got to get the sales. I, I need to do this. Like, great. How many no's can I get to get a yes? 
And then you celebrate the no's, right? There's just so many ways instead of saying, oh, someone just said, no, I'm awful. Maybe my service doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. But instead of saying, yes, okay, usually there's five no's and I get a yes. It's just a total different way of seeing things. But if you don't take the time to emotionally regulate, wow, if you're in that other side where it's like, oh, no, you're like literally spiraling down. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it that you are challenged by? You know, because on the outside, you're a very successful, accomplished entrepreneur, you're a mother, you're married, you're living for many people a dream life. And I'm wondering when, when you're not active in all these things that you're doing, what is it that you are challenged with? So one of the things that I'm constantly, um, three things that are constant in me that I'm always kind of, there's some sort of friction and I'm optimizing, I'm putting systems in place. One is how I can work less, right? And still Mm -hmm. make an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, Before, when women had kids, there was a whole village, right? There was a village around you to take care and support, like, Now, if something happens, like it's on me and my husband, we got to figure this out. So that's a constant thing where we're, we're figuring out what is optimal and then also getting time for each other. So those are two things. Cause when you have kids, it almost dominates your life, right? Especially Mm. when you're young and then the relationship, you need to work on it too. And the communication, right? So like if there's resentment, then why is there resentment instead of letting it like, um, boil and like, like you start getting, like you start repressing it. Like there was a boundary cross that probably somebody didn't know, or you didn't put. So there's constant friction and it's not, it's never going to be perfect, but I created systems in place. What I mean by that is we like have a list of everything that we do in the household. And then we say, who takes it on? Great. Every week we have a relationship meeting, acknowledging each other, Uh saying what we can work on better, how we can communicate better. And then another thing is, um, so that deals with the relationship. And then we also try to have every week, um, if we can't have it at nighttime, we, we both work from home. So we have a date during the day at lunchtime, right? So we're making this like practical ways how we go about it. And then the third way is like my own self-care right? Making mm-hmm. sure that I make time for my workout. He's a cyclist. I love working out. It takes a lot of hours. So how do we make sure both of us are working out? Cause this is how we regulate ourselves mm-hmm. and then also be present with our kids. Like we're really big on not having our phones around us. We also want to take pictures of our kids and guess what? All of a sudden you take a picture of your kid and then, Oh, look at this. And you're on your phone. So what we do is we have a watches Apple watch and, um, we turn off our phone. So we basically it's on airplane mode, so we can still use the phone, but we don't get notifications. If there's an emergency with our kid, it'll be on, we'll hear it and not, and we don't have notifications on email and Instagram and all of that stuff isn't on there. So that's one way we're creating systems. So we're really present with our kids. And if our kid sees us on the um, phone, anyway, beyond taking a picture, they go to us and they say, um, please don't be on the phone. And then my son, who's going to be four soon, he added, I love you. Come on. How do you stay on the phone based on that? Right? So these are constant things that you just need to create systems and just 
keep improving, measuring it. Like in this relationship meeting, maybe it was a seven today. How can I get it to a 10? And it's mm -hmm. constantly seen and adjusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And the beauty about everything that you've been talking about today, it's super simple. You haven't brought up anything that's like complex, that's very expensive, that's really hard. Everything that you're bringing forward is super simple to do. And if we're really honest, the implementation of it is actually easy. It's the inner, it's the inner, inner conversation that takes place that is hard. There's that, you know, there's the parts I find, especially when you're getting into it in the beginning, can be a big shift and there can be a lot of old patterns and attachments that come up and they say, nope, I don't want you to change anything. I want you to keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, that surely will create a different outcome, which is Einstein's definition of insanity. So I love the simplicity of what you brought forward today. One thing that I also ask every single person that I interview is, if you could spend an hour of your time with any person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Mm, that's a great one. Um, yeah, I don't have just one. There's so many of them. I think I would love to, you know, Martha Luther King, just all these people who were everything was against them, right? How did mm. they move forward? How did they get their inner game, as I call it, their mindset, just to like move forward mm. and like go against it? Because I have to say, sometimes when I'm um, doing some big things, like everyone's heard of the spotlight effect where they think that they don't want to do something because everyone's going to like uh, focus on them or talk about them when no one's really focusing on them. But in, mm. case, in the case of Martha Luther King or all these people that are really changing the laws or making a difference, everybody was like talking about that individual. So how did they get past it? They did not care. And, and I understand like it was like a bigger purpose or bigger value. Like they yeah. saw things, something bigger than themselves. But how did they get there? And what was that courage like? I would love yeah. to know. Mm. What is it that drives you? Because... I can see that you are one of those people that moves through the odds and, and beyond what people think is possible. So what is it that drives you? Um, the big thing that it's just, everything's achievable and we have a limited amount of time and I really want to make a difference on this planet. Mm. So um, my oldest sister has osteogenesis imperfecta. I have it. Um, my level is less severe. Hers is she's a wheelchair user. And the most severe is a baby starts um, osteogenesis imperfectas, brittle bones, and the baby in the womb starts breaking bones. Wow. And then when it's born, could die within three or four days. So she, my sister, has already broken over 200 bones, many times similar, same bones. I've only fractured uh, two bones, and it's been like one after I, I slipped on black ice and another one after I did half Ironman. But that, all that being said is like, there's so many things that you can do in life and there's no promise of tomorrow. So mm -hmm. how can you make an impact in this world right now? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're all like humans, we're pack animals. That's how we've evolved. So how can we all rise together and make this life just amazing? Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful Beautiful way of putting it. And I love that 
that inspiration that is driving you and despite certain physical challenges that you are experiencing or or even say you know because of it you double down on the impact that you're creating in the world so as we come to the end of this conversation i want to know how can people best connect with you and you and I, we talked before the recording of this podcast that you have also something for our viewers that they can uh, uh, get from you. So can you speak into that? Yes. So I want any everybody who's an entrepreneur to have a virtual assistant. And no, we do not sell virtual assistants. We do not uh, train them or anything. But um, either direct message me on Tanya C. Alvarez or find me on LinkedIn and I'll give you my guide that breaks down like how to figure out which task, um, how to put a post, what not to do, how to manage them, everything. Because I think that the more people that we have utilizing their time and like becoming an entrepreneur, making, making a difference, it's going to be amazing. Right. And there's not going to be that much burnout. And we're going to change the success rate of entrepreneurship. Mm, I love that. I love that. And again, as I said earlier, I will co-sign that. I think, you know, uh, just like you, VAs can help you play in your zone of genius, which just like you said, creates happier entrepreneurs, more successful entrepreneurs. And in general, it raises up entrepreneurship, which, you know, we both agree that we need a lot more of that in the world. So Tanya, thank you so much for being a, an amazing guest on the Zempreneur podcast. Um, I hope to have you back soon. Uh, maybe we can dive more into the, the delegation leadership aspect. But for now, uh, you've been amazing. I will be sure to add all of your links into the show notes. Please, everybody, do yourself a favor. Reach out to Tanya. She sits on a wealth of wisdom, knowledge, and value. And you would do yourself a disfavor not to take her up on that. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. And thank you for being a faithful listener of the Zempreneur podcast. And I will see you on the next episode.